Today's message is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Thank you, Jeremiah. <laughs> and when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. You go ahead and have a seat. Um, It had been over a week Nine, ten days in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle. There was no electricity, no roads, nothing. There's a group of about 20 of us on this mission trip there. And uh, God, God did a lot of really great and, and wonderful things, and God, God moved. Um, but man, it, it was hard. We were staying in tents, and it rained so much. Over the course of about this week and a half, the, the river that we were by rose nine, over nine feet. And as, as the course of the, the week went on, I'm, I could still actually remember this in my, my visual memory of shifting in the tent from one end of the tent to the other, because in one tent, there started to become a growing amount of just standing water. And I, although one guy had a cot that was a little bit off the, off the ground and underneath him was just the water. I don't know how he worked that one out, but there was just so much water. I, I would, it, everything was wet. There's no showers. There's, there's nothing. We're just eating rice. And, and that, that's basically it. And then actually, as we unpacked uh, to load everything up, we, we found that underneath us, and this explained the smell that I would smell at night. I just thought it was one of those high school kids in my tent, but it was, um, you know, when, you, when things get really wet for a long time, like the, the dirt and the, the mud by a lake and it smells like that, that was like underneath us. And so we're packing up and it's just drenching rain and we get in these like little banana boats and we're driving for about three or four hours just in the rain. And we're not, you know, singing or anything. We're just kind of like, When's this going to end? This has been one of the roughest weeks of any of our lives. 
And I remember we're coming around, you know, coming around on this boat, and I can still feel it within me, one of the greatest feelings ever when I see it in the distance, the place that we're going, it's, it's like coming towards us. It's arriving this half star hotel that we're, that's what we called it. The half star hotel. And, and it, I mean, like half stars being pretty generous too. In one of the rooms, there was a bat. Um, I took care of it, but, but I mean, it was, it was not great. And, but it was finally, we're out of, we're out of the tents. We're out of the mud. We're out of the wet. And at least we could come inside. And, and it was just such the, this big feeling of just finally, of this just like, ah, oh, it's, it's here. We, we've, we've made it. it we're, we're rescued. It's finally arrived. And we've all had moments like that, right? You've had moments like that where maybe you're starving, you're so hungry, and then finally you see your waiter coming with the food and you're just like, oh, it's here. Maybe you've been working hard at school and, and you turn in that last paper for the semester or you turn in the last paper and you're finally done. You're graduated. You, um, you're, you're so excited because you finally got a job or you got the job that you're looking forward to. And it's just this moment of relief or, or a bigger moment of relief is when you finally get paid from starting that job. Right? Maybe your wedding day is here. You've been working really hard and you're just burned out and it's finally vacation because it's come, it's arrived. And we all have these instances in our lives where we have these, these big emotions of excitement, of relief, of joy. And now that we're, we're here in Christmas and that we're, Christmas is finally here, I know for some of you that stirs up actually some really hard emotions. Christmas is not all just happy and joyful, and it's, it's really hard. But, but beyond that, for each and every one of us, Christmas is something that we look forward to. It should, it should be something that, that we're anticipating, that we're excited that it is here. And not just something for us to know about, but something within us to respond, to, to have these emotions, to have this stirring within us because of what's arrived and not just something, but really someone has arrived. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, was born. Our hope has come. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke is in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be picking it up there in verse 22 and, and while you're getting there. So, so right before this story that we're going to be reading about, right before this, Jesus is, is born in Bethlehem. There's these angels. They come out to the shepherds out in the field and they, they tell them, hey, go to Bethlehem. You're going to see a baby. He's going to be uh, there lying in a manger with swaddling cloths and they're singing to the shepherds. The shepherds go visit them and they're excited and everything. Um, and so Jesus is just born, and then now what we're looking at is in verse 22, and now Jesus is 40 days old. Verse 22, it says, And when the days of purification, according to the laws of Moses, were finished, they, that's Mary and Joseph, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to their Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what is stated in the law, 
um, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so just, just here we see Mary and Joseph, they're being, they're being obedient to God. They're following God, following his law. In verse 21, Jesus was circumcised. They gave Jesus the, or they gave the child the name of Jesus, just like the angel had instructed them. And here they're, they're, they're keeping with the Jewish law. After a, a woman gave birth, she had a, a period of time. 40 days for, to set aside for purification. Then after that, they were to go and they were to offer sacrifices to kind of bring, help bring them out of that, that uh, uncleansingness. And, and so that was um, just in Leviticus 12. And so they're following the law there. And, um, and so this was to remind the Jewish people that, um, that everybody that is born is born into sin, born into a sinful world. Now, Jesus... Even though he's born into a sinful world, Jesus, um, yes, he's fully human, but he's also fully God, so Jesus doesn't have any sin. But even just right from here, right from the get-go, we see that Jesus is already, even though he's not a sinner, he's been identified as a sinner, being identified with broken uh, humanity. And then um, and they're dedicating Jesus because he's the firstborn. So that's from Exodus 13. And part of this, this sacrifice that they're to give to God. Actually, it says that they're supposed to give a lamb <clears throat> as a sacrifice to God, but the law kind of made a stipulation. Well, if you can't afford a lamb, if that's kind of out of your price range, you could instead offer either two pigeons or two turtle doves. And so Mary and Joseph, that's what they're giving as their sacrifice. And so this is showing us that, that Mary and Joseph are not well off. They're poor. Jesus, the Savior of the world, right? He's arrived, but this is the kind of situation that he's born into. He's without sin, but he's born into a sinful world. He has completely everything at his disposal, but yet he's born into a family without. That's poor. And, and not, not that they've done anything necessarily to do that, or, or, or it's not God's disapproval, but even in their, their poverty, they're still, Mary and Joseph are still worshiping God doesn't prevent them from following him or being obedient. And then we look at verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem, because, so that's where they're, Mary and Joseph are because they're making the sacrifices. There's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so this, this first observation that we see here is just the, the anticipation of Christ. This anticipation of Christ. that He's looking forward. We're, we're introduced to this man named Simeon. He's a, a devout and righteous man. That means he loves Jesus. He loves God. And, he, and he's righteous, meaning he's a man of integrity. He treats other people well. He loves God. He loves others. And he's following God. And God told him, God made him a promise, before you die, you will see the Messiah. You'll see your Savior. Before you die, in verse, um, later on, it, it seems in verse 29, it seems like he, he's an older man. That he'd been waiting a long time, years, years and years, months and months, maybe even decades, waiting. I mean, imagine if you are like Simeon. I mean, imagine, he's, he's living right there in Jerusalem. 
He's serving at the temple, the place that is dedicated to worshiping God. He's full of faith in God. And he's filled with the Spirit. The, the Spirit is, is speaking to him, telling him these things. And so this world that he lives in, right there with the temple right there, he's reminded day after day, person after person that's coming to offer sacrifice after sacrifice, man, this world is broken. Man, this world is sinful. People are lost. The people around him, his neighbors, his nation, he's seen it. Even when he goes to the temple, remember when Jesus goes and cleanses the temple later on uh, before his crucifixion and all they're using the temple, they're basically using God to just make money. Simeon has seen that. He's just reminded, man, the people, so many have just left and, and just abandoned God. And so there's this feeling of like, when is it going to be different? When is it going to change? When when are the people's hearts going to be turned back to God? He's a righteous man. He's been reading the scrolls. He's been listening to the scriptures over and over of, 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 of promises of God foretelling of God's rescue, of when God would come. He hears of, of in Isaiah, of, of the servant that's going to suffer, and that on, on him would lay all the iniquities. He's, he's reading in Ezekiel about one day, people are, are going to, there's going to be a new covenant. People will receive the Holy Spirit, and they'll get new hearts. When will that day come? He knows about Genesis when, when the head of the serpent, of, of the enemy of Satan, when his head is going to be crushed because of the seed of the woman, because of the promised one to come. All of these things are going in his mind. He's not fooled into thinking that this world is a great place. He sees it day after day, and he's just anticipating, when is he going to come? God told me that I would see him before I died. Man, could it be today? Could it be this week? Will it be this month? Will, could it be this year? And there's, he's waiting. When am I going to see it? Save you the world. When's it, when's it going to happen? I mean, again, I'm just imagine if you're Simeon, you're waiting. When will it happen? Maybe in Simeon, he had heard the rumors of... John the Baptist, the one that Williams just read, John the Baptist is born. There's whispers, there's rumors of he's going to prepare the way. There's something, something mysterious about his birth. With Zechariah, who's the priest, he's hearing it. Maybe he's starting to hear rumors. It's been a, been a month and a half since the, the shepherds have heard the angels and they started to tell other people. Maybe that's starting to make its way to Jerusalem. And he's wondering, could this be it? Could, could this be the time? He wakes up, just a day like any other day, and he goes to the temple, not because he's scheduled, but because what does the text tell us? The Spirit is speaking to him. The Spirit of God is moving in him, and he's, he's starting to feel this anticipation. Wait a minute, this, I, I feel like the Spirit is leading me. Could this, could this be it? Could this be the day I've waited my life to see? He's so 
excited to, man, will this be the hope of Israel? And so we see what happens next from, from this anticipation of Christ. Verse 27, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child uh, Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took Jesus, uh, took him up in his arms, praised God and said, now, Master, this is like this prayer, this song that he has to God, now, Master, you can dismiss me. You can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen him. My eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared it in the presence of, of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. I mean, he sees Jesus, he sees the child, he picks him up and praises God. I mean, for Mary and Joseph, I mean... They don't even really know who, who Simeon is. I mean, this could maybe be a little bit weird. It's like, who's this guy grabbing my kid? You sanitize? You, who are you going to do? Well, that's weird. And, and so, so but, he, but he picks him up, and, and it, we know what he, what he is celebrating. So the second observation is this. You know, there's the anticipation of Christ, but now there's this consolation in Christ. Consolation in Christ. It says it earlier, he would be the consolation of Israel. And that word consolation just means comfort. That you get from Isaiah 40 and 49, that it speaks of, of the arrival of God's comfort. And so that consolation of Christ is, is this comfort in Christ. This comfort, this rescuing, restoration, deliverance. All of that is, is meeting here. And that's what Simeon has been waiting, the rescuing, the restoration, the deliverance of Israel. And now he sees him and he scoops him up and he says, says this prayer. And, and let's just kind of unpack what, what, what is going on? What, what, what does this mean here? And so first, Simeon, he knows who has arrived. He, know, he knows that who has arrived. I mean, think about this. This is the incarnation right? He, he's seeing Jesus, God in flesh, God, the son, the supernatural made natural, full of power, God, full of power now in a powerless baby, sovereignty with skin on. And so when, when Simeon picks Jesus up in his arms and he says these things, this is showing us that he understands that in this infant, in this month and a half year old baby is the fulfillment of God's promises. He's holding that in his arms. I mean, in verse 29, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's seen his salvation in Christ. In, in this baby. He, he's not talking so much about like what has arrived, but, but Simeon is talking about who has arrived. God's salvation is in a person. In, in Christ. And to see Jesus is to see God's salvation. And this just shows us in, our, our primary experience of our salvation is not primarily a change of circumstances. 
It's, it's not a self-improvement program. It's not some new morality. But our, our experience in, in Christ, in, in Christianity, is a relationship. Because someone has come. Someone has arrived. It's this relationship with Him. God did not send an impersonable, impersonal force or just some guide to us. He sent His Son. And this salvation, Simeon is, is, is a, seeing this consolation because who has arrived? Simeon also, I mean, he knows who's arrived, but he also knows what Jesus will do. Look at verse 30. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. The salvation that, that God was going to extend was always going to be beyond Israel itself. And, and Simeon is, is saying that's what's going to happen. In his arms is the light of the world. Not just the light of Israel, its salvation, but the salvation for the entire world that he's, he's holding in his arms. And, and Simeon knows that yeah, in this, in this baby, that, that the light of the world, that's going to be the salvation for his neighbor, for the, his family member that lives in a different town, and to the ends of the world is in this child. And he knows how this is going to even take place. Because later on, he tells Mary, yeah, he, Jesus is going to cause the rising and falling of many, and it will pierce your soul. And he knows Jesus, this baby, God made flesh, came to die. He sees the baby, but he sees death in the distance. Because Jesus, that's what he came to do. He, he came to be God's salvation. And that's going to come at a, at a very high cost and lots of pain that Jesus would come to die and he would die on a cross and he would pay the price for sin. This world is lost and it's broken. And Simeon knows all of these sacrifices that he's been seeing in the temple year after year, day after day. Hey, wait a minute. One day, one day God will send the ultimate sacrifice to be the ultimate price for all of our sin. And so he Simeon, he knows what, what Jesus came to do. And even in this, it just refl- come, makes me think of John chapter 1. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of mankind, the light of people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so man, all, all of these things, all of these, these Old Testament promises and prophecies, they're coming about. And the curse will be undone. The stage is completely set because all of this is now meeting in this culmination point in the arrival of Jesus Christ. This is what he's been, Simeon has been waiting his whole life to see. Man, this is Israel, my people's salvation. This is the world's salvation. And this is God opening the door, turning on the light so that all people will see. So that all people may know their creator, know God, the one who died and rose again on their behalf. And so Simeon, he's, he's 
praising God for this, seeing just what is in Jesus. And, and Simeon knows, he says, this will be the rising and the falling of many, saying some will turn to Christ and some will reject him. I mean, think of the two thieves on the cross next to Jesus. One looks to Jesus and repents. He knows he's a sinner. He knows he needs a savior. And the other one turns away from Jesus and ridicules him. So just for us is the same for Simeon is that Simeon knows Jesus is just not the God's salvation or the light of the world for others. Simeon knows, man, he's my salvation. So for you today, do you even just know that God, that Jesus is your salvation? Just like Simeon says, it'll be the rising and falling of many. Are you turning to Christ in faith and trust? Are you turning away? And so Simeon knows that that yeah, this world is lost, is broken, is sinful, but he also he knows that about himself. And that in this baby is his own salvation, the ultimate sacrifice and payment for sin. That Simeon, he knows he can't be good enough on his own, that he can't make himself right with God, that he can't do enough good works to just kind of earn it or, or to just get in God's good favor. No, there's nothing that he does. He, he knows that he needs God's salvation, God to intervene, for Jesus to pay the price. And so we've seen this, this anticipation of Christ. We've seen this consolation or deliverance in Christ. And then last thing I just want us to point us to is the celebration of Christ. Celebration of Christ. Look at verse 28. Look at verse 28. Simeon. So Simeon sees Jesus. And then it just says, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God. I mean, that's, that's exactly his response once he sees Jesus. He takes Jesus up in his arms. He doesn't, it doesn't even seem like he asks, can I see your baby? Just takes him up in his arms, holds him up, and just starts praising God. I think a lot of times we just, we just read and we, we kind of lose the, the realness of what is happening in the, in the story that God is telling, the, the story that is really unfolding. We just kind of read it like, yeah, I saw Jesus, and then he said some stuff, and then he put him back down, blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? <laughs> Moving on. This is, this is this huge moment of celebration. I mean, again, Simeon had waited his whole life to see this. Think, I mean, think back. Simeon knows who he's holding. Simeon is holding God the Son. I mean, to hold God the Son in your arms has to be this awesome experience. For Simeon, this would have been the moment of his life, showing all of God's fulfillment that he's literally just holding in his arms. Simeon is not just like, hey, this is cool. He's elated, overwhelmed, full of joy. I mean, have you ever seen one of those, those videos? where there's, there's a parent or a dad and they're coming back from, from being on military leave, from being overseas for months or years, and they surprise one of their kids, I tear up every time. I mean, there's, there's one where this dad, he, he dresses up as uh, his, his son is like a high school football player, and he dresses up as the, the, uh, with the opponent's gear, and they're, before the game, they're going to have this, this captain's meeting. And so his son's one of the captains. He's walking out there and the dad's dressed up in the other team's colors, walks up there and just takes off the helmet. And I mean like 
The, this, I mean, his son is big, he's strong, and his son just loses it. I mean, he, he's just crying. And he just takes off his helmet, and I'm like, in the midst of everybody, I mean, the, the son is just sobbing. Because he's so glad who has arrived, who has come, his dad. Right? That's what Simon is experiencing. It's God. It's my salvation. He's here. He's overwhelmed with all of this feeling, all of this emotion, because, man, this is this huge moment of celebration. Not just because who arrived, because what Jesus came to do. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the salvation, the deliverance of everyone. Man, the, the curse is going to be undone. Sin and injustice and suffering is going to be dealt with. Our salvation, God, your salvation has come. Have, have any of you seen that movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Right? They're in this, this mystical land, and, and there's these different characters, and, and one of them is the White Witch. And she's kind of in charge of everything for a while. And, and there's just like perpetual winter. I think we could relate to that. That sounds awful. <laughs> and it's cold and it's snowy. And the, evident, the evil is incredibly evident. And you're, you're watching this plow and you're just thinking, when's it going to change? And you know, they, the, the people know, but wait a minute. As crummy and as broken and as messed up as this is, one day Aslan, the line is going to come. And you're anticipating it. And when you just finally see him, you're just like, oh, yes. It's today. It's right now. He's arrived. He's come. Simeon knows that, that, that Jesus, this, this child, is not just the salvation and the light of the world for everyone. And he's going to deal with everything kind of collectively. But Simeon knows that this is his salvation. I mean, can you imagine being trapped in prison for years and decades? Seen that movie, The Shawshank Redemption? There's a guy, his name is Andy. He's thrown in jail. He's innocent. And he is, he's just abused. He is in despair. And he is taken advantage of year after year, decade after decade. But then finally, one day, he breaks free. And as you're, you're watching this, and he comes out of these pipes, and he comes out outside of the prison, and it's just pouring rain. He just looks up, and he's just like, and, you're, and you feel it. Even though you're not in jail, you're just like, ah, freedom. And so when we read these words of just, Simeon took him up in his arms, and he's praising God. This is not just some moment to cruise by. This is utter, complete celebration. Here's a painting that I just want to show you guys that I think kind of depicts this well. Um, I mean, this is just such a powerful painting. I mean, you could see it right there. You don't really can't. I mean, Jesus, the, the child is this light signifying that he is the light that has stepped into darkness. If you actually see around Simeon's clothes, you could see South America up there is North America. Over here is Africa and Europe. He's the light of the nations. What he has come to do is salvation for everyone. And then just look at his face. He's overjoyed. 
over, overwhelmed. I mean, even just like tears are just coming down his face. Ah, I, my eyes have seen your salvation, God. Such a powerful moment. It's this culmination of all of these even candles that we've been lighting. Hope, love, joy, peace, light, all now meeting together in Jesus Christ has come. And so I just, my encouragement for you is this Christmas, starting today, even to just have this anticipation that, man, yeah, this there's, there's something wrong, but wait a minute. We know that he's on his way. We know that, that he will arrive soon. And that tomorrow, that, that when we, we wake up, we just remember that we have been given the greatest gift that could possibly be ever given to us, the one that we completely never deserved, but it is absolutely everything and beyond of what we need that Jesus Christ our Savior has arrived. He's, he's here. He has come. The hope of the world. Light in the darkness. And He has come for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. Lord, that this is what we celebrate. Lord, that this is, is true. Lord, that, that you have come, that you are here. Lord, and that you came to die, you came to rescue, you are our hope, our peace, our joy, your everything. And so, Lord, I pray that, that you would just help us, each and every one of us, Lord, to, to just be stirred within us because of this truth. Lord, that, that, that you came... For us, you came to die. You came to pay the ultimate sacrifice and to bring freedom, and you came. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just help us just to, to move to awe of who you are, Lord, and help us to just be trusting in you, Lord. If we've, maybe somebody's here today and they've never given their life to Christ, Lord, I pray that you would just reach down. You already have reached down, and Lord, and just save them, help them to trust in you, help them to talk to somebody here today, Lord, because we are just reminded this Christmas that we get you. We get God because you came for us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.